1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I am Erica Cerullo. You might know us as the co-founders of Of a Kind, the co-authors of Workwife, or just two women who feel so strongly about their relationship that they own the domain Claire and Related. Head there and sign up for our newsletter, which is which is being sent again. Yeah, we're sending our newsletter again. Thrilling. Yeah. Um, you can also find episode notes there.
2: And I don't know, maybe one day we'll throw up a surprising something else on there. So just keep checking in.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Subscribe to our RSS feed. Is yeah, that what you're suggesting? I guess so. I don't I know ne- if we have one of those. do I. I. don't want to overpromise. <laughs> yeah. But you, you don't want to set one of those up all of a sudden. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463. Um, something we wanted to talk about. We went to such, we went to a yoga class last mm-hmm. week together, which is something we do not do together yeah. often. No. Um, man, because you do it at different
2: times and in different locations. And I you're mean, comfortable I don't go with- to yoga ever, but if you did it at, Six if I did it right around the corner from your house at <laughs> 6 a.m.,
0: then you'd be fine with it. Exactly. I yeah. go all the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't make it convenient for you, so we don't often <laughs> do it. But we did because our friend Marissa, um, who was a guest on this podcast long, long time ago mm-hmm. and will be again this spring. Yes. Um, she has a book coming out. But she teaches a restorative yoga class at Sky Ting. Um, Thursday afternoons. Thursday afternoons. That's afternoon. the other thing. Yeah. We're ladies of pleasure now. So oh, we can gosh. take 3.30 totally. p.m. restorative 430. yoga 4.30 now. It's 4.30 now. 4.30. But the thing that we wanted to talk About was this meditation that she did at the end of her class? Mm -hmm. So it was sort of
2: during shavasana or pre shavasana. We were like in shavasana mode, laying down, and she told you with all your yoga words for for not going. Actually, there are like two that I know. What's the other one? Well, I know what. Um, I know the warriors now. Oh, that's good. I know warrior one and two and um devotional and. I don't know if I know three. (laughs) I know devotional and um. That may be it okay okay um because I with revolution motherhood there's some of that okay so Marissa's meditation so I want to say that I missed a key part of this which you've now repeated a couple times so I'm convinced it was it, it was part yeah, of it yeah it was part that of it with each breath you take start at the year you were born and think of a memory from that year and obviously for your first couple of years it's rather abstract but go through chronologically every year you were born and think sort of surface a memory or a thought about that year until you're at your present year and then sort of set an intention for that year.
0: What do you want this one to be kind of thing? Exactly.
2: And I was like, wow, A of all, how have I never sort of done something like this before? It's not so complicated and it feels obvious and authentic therapeutic meditative context that you would reflect on your life in some way.
0: Well, I also kind of think when I was thinking about it later that this is the kind of experience people have when they do ashwagandha. Oh,
2: 100%. (laughs) No. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, And this, I think, involves a lot less throwing up and a lot less psychedelics than all of that. Um, I think you recover a lot quicker. Totally. So it's maybe more suited for me. Yeah. Um, And you could do it kind of as often as you wanted. It was a wild experience. Yeah. So I didn't catch the part about um, the breathing. About the breathing,
2: And so I was spending a little bit more time. So by the time you were supposed to do this for a little bit and then get to your certain age and then actually do Shavasana. And by the time Shavasana was done, I was You're like, it. and then I was 13. Yeah, no, exactly. And <laughs> it's like, ma'am, I, I'm still on 14. I got to lay <laughs> here for a while. <laughs> but I was stunned by what I remembered from each year and what sort of shaped what through what lens I was remembering each year, because there was a chunk of time where it was all of my memories of a string of years were very much shaped by the primary friendship in my life at that time. Who was your bestie? Exactly. And I, and really like, I remember like, I would say four through eight felt very much like just who were my friends then. And then it became about certain activities that really dominated my life. And then it definitely became about men that I was dating or wanted to be dating or whatever. And I was just fascinated by this and like
0: just feeling like I needed to go back and do it a lot more and to understand my life through that lens in a better way. The thing that I... If you do it again and do it with the sort of like single breath thing... I think what's interesting is just like the total randomness of what surfaces, mm. because you're like nine. What was that? And it was like, oh, that's when we did that whole little house on the prairie, <laughs> fourth grade. Like we yep. made butter that year for oh, sure. Totally, <laughs> you know, yep. those kinds of like. I'm like, why is that the thing right. that I can recall about that age? It's yeah. wild. This all feels very relevant to bring on our guest. Yes. Um, We are so excited about today's guest.
2: We have Kim France, who is known for a lot of things, but um, maybe— I feel like everybody's really
0: excited right now when they just heard her
2: name. I (laughs) I hope so. I think—would you say the thing that most people know you for is being the founding editor of Lucky Magazine?
0: I would say sassy. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say sassy. Sassy. That's
1: the thing that I get stopped at parties about.
2: Wow. 12-step meetings.
1: All of it. All sorts of contexts. I've been recognized for Sassy.
2: I love that. All right. So, Sassy, Lucky, and now Girls of a Certain Age, and now also the Everything is Fine podcast, which, which we is love. so
0: good. So good. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, it's a podcast basically focusing on women over 40 and the experiences that you don't think about or that you haven't had yet, um, or that maybe you haven't talked about with your friends. Um, and it's just so good and so real. And we're just super into it. It was. Well, oh, thanks, guys. It really did make
2: me feel like you were my cool older sister, like you and Tali, your co-host. I was like, I feel like I have these really caring older sisters who are like telling me what to look out for. <laughs> what oh, that's to think nice about. to hear
1: because I was thinking mm-hmm. coming on here today and thinking about the age of your readers and thinking, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's for women over forty, but it's also um, for the over forty curious. Yeah,
0: yeah
2: exactly. Yeah. Sort of. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's funny cause I, all my life have just wanted to be older. Um, especially when I was young, I was like 30 is when it's going to be it. Like I'm really excited for 30. And so far I think I've been right. Um, like I, I feel like I was right that 30 is when things have gotten to a point where I've had the agency that I always sought in life. And it's been really interesting to hear, to hear you talking about over 40 and just thinking about, okay, what changes and what do you lose and what do you gain? And all of that has been, I think just really valuable.
1: Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah. it's really fun to do. Good. I really like it. So much of what I do now is solitary, mm. doing the blog, writing
2: my book, and it's so fun to have a collaborator again. I I can imagine because you, you also had famously had a work wife. At, I, I say famously, famously to me. <laughs>
0: famously we Kim and Kim and Kim Andrea, and Andrea Lynette, yeah. appeared in our book work wife. Yes. Um and Andrea was the creative director at Lucky for almost the entire run. Yes. Um And yeah, so what, talking about your relationship and, and sort of missing that collaboration piece um, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I
1: mean, I still talk to Andrea pretty much every day. If we don't talk, we text or email. And the experience of knowing when I was hired for Lucky that there was one person I needed to do the magazine with and I could not do it without her was really valuable. Um, you know, we talked every day. I called her in the car on the way to work and we would talk about that day and what was going to happen. If she was in LA, I'd call her there because she was off in there shooting. And it was, it was just a really enriching thing, you know, but just in general, the collaborative, um, nature of magazines is something I really miss. Yeah. yeah. Fair,
0: yeah. fair, fair, fair. Um, so you mentioned that sassy is the thing you feel most known for. What do you think it was about sassy that made people connect with it and connect with you in such a way?
1: I think that there are a lot of girls who feel like they don't know quite where they fit in when they're teenagers, who go on to be really interesting people. I think if you're one of those girls who's a cheerleader and really popular, you may turn out really interesting. But, and I've met former cheerleaders who are, but
2: it, <laughs> there <laughs> it's are some. a nice concession.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I feel like I have to say that. But But if you were a misfit in high school, chances are you're going to end up being a pretty interesting person. And all those girls read Sassy and I think felt like Sassy was speaking directly to them. This was before the internet. This was before all information was available everywhere all the time. So Sassy was the same way that really cool fanzines were that you'd have to know the right record store to go into in the 90s and 80s in New York, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it felt like it was transmitting information you could only get there. And we also I think the affection we had for our readers was a big part of it. We, you know, Marissa Meltzer, who we were just talking about, said in the book, um, the Sassy book, that the worst thing that you could say was she doesn't think about the readers. That's the worst thing you could say about a staff member. Um, and I think that's true. It was a really important part of it. And that relationship, I have a nice relationship now with the readers of my blog, and they're very responsive,
2: and that's very immediate. But the relationship I had with my readers at Sassy was really the richest I'll never forget, my mom would never let me get magazine subscriptions until I hit a certain age because she did feel, I think, rightly like most of them. That YM was not something you necessarily needed in your life? Well, so she bought me a subscription to Sassy eventually, and I got maybe three issues of it until Sassy folded. And then the one that the oh, publisher no. sent me as a replacement was YM. Oh, and my no. mom was so pissed because
0: I kept <laughs> getting YM for months after that. And it was like, can it I was I like get the antithesis. from like, yeah, sitting in a hot tub. It was like,
2: yeah. yeah, it was like 17 teen YM and the sort of like order of the response. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sassy above all of that, but once Sassy was gone.
0: Um, you were mentioning that your interactions with your readers are so different now. How are you hearing from people then? Letters. Yeah. Old-fashioned letters yeah. with stamps. Yeah. yeah. I used
1: to
2: write to magazines. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Teena- well, teenage girls were at a very—I don't know if they still are, but then they were in a very letter-writing phase yes, of their lives. Absolutely. Yes. And we just got buckets, buckets. I wrote a letter—I mean, I wrote an article about my father growing up with my alcoholic father, mm-hmm. and it just generated so much mail. Some of which I hung on to for a while and then one move turns into another move and you end up getting rid of everything. Yeah. Um, but those letters were really moving to me because a lot of those girls were living with alcoholic parents. Yeah. yeah you, you spoke to them in such a
2: core way. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Are there publications or, or movies or anything that you feel like sort of serve the same purpose that Sassy did? Well, I think Rookie did. Yeah, that yeah. was the first that comes to mind for Rookie me Rookie well. was
1: really good. I think that, um, I haven't seen the movie Smart, but I want to. Oh, you should. It's so great. Good. I hear really good things about so that fantastic. and the way it
0: portrays its
1: two lead characters. Yeah, yeah
0: their relationship feels very, uh, yeah, real and layered mm-hmm. and complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I don't know. I think
1: it was a very, just like Spy Magazine and a mm-hmm. lot of other magazines from the 90s, it existed in a place and time and there isn't, anything like it now. Yeah. And there couldn't be really.
0: What did working at a place like that teach you about yourself? It
1: taught me that I could write a lot very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> this, um, this is an
1: important learning. But it also taught me that you have to think about the other people in your life. When I wrote the alcoholic father piece, my family was very upset about that. My brothers were very upset hmm. about that. I realized I need to really check in with them let them know what I'm writing about. And if they're uncomfortable with something, maybe not run it. Yeah. You know, it's really important to me writing this book that they feel on board with it because they're in it. And it's not worth it. The problem with writing a memoir, which is what this book is, is you end up telling other people's stories as well. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to me to make sure that I'm doing that with sensitivity.
0: So I think I learned that there. Um, We didn't even talk about the fact that Kim's writing a book that we're like itching, itching to read (laughs) it for. Um, How are you approaching the process of writing this book?
1: Avoidance, a lot of avoidance. (laughs) Um, But I'm approaching it. Well, I'm writing. I think I'm an essayist, much more than I'm a traditional, you know, book writer. And so I'm thinking
0: about all of the chapters as essays, Mm -hmm. which makes it much more dealable for me. You've cut cut it down into these more bite size, not bite size, but sandwich size, or like
1: (laughs) (laughs) servings, tea sandwiches, meal size, yeah, (laughs) meal size, yeah a finger
0: sandwich. That's Let's right. say that. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, your essays that you've posted on Medium that cover some of the issues that I imagine the book are in will, the book, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. um, are so good, which is part of why we'll link to them in our notes, but which is part of why we're so psyched to read this book. Thank you. You wrote yeah.
2: one about buying a house, um, for, and it, it was also about your marriage at the time and we were looking for houses around the same time and it really made an impact on me and changed the oh, way good. I thought about, I approached that process. And I, I mean, it was what again- What did it change a moment, for you? Um, just made me realize, uh, you know, I think when you are looking at a, houses all day long and fantasizing about what your life might be like. And how much of, you'll change
0: as a person exactly. just by moving yeah. in. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it was
2: like, oh wait, this is not the, the house is not the important thing. It's not. And, oh my God, um, it's not. Yeah. And just it, it a won't change me for the better or it could change me for the worse, I suppose, if I go in the wrong direction. But um, yeah, just it, it put it in perspective. Thank you. That gave me the chills. A little <laughs>
1: <bit>. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I had the perfect house. Yeah. I had everything I dreamt of. dreamt and- and I could not, I mean, do I wish I still owned that house in Carroll Gardens? Prime real estate worth like a badillion times more than I paid for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do wish I owned it. But at the same time, I was never more eager to get out of a place. Yeah. I could not wait to sell it. I could not wait to be out of there.
2: I think that's what it did for me. It just made me realize like it, it's not about the house. And if if everything else isn't going well, then you're going to hate the house. And
0: Yeah. It's just. It's not, not going to solve every not, the problems, yeah. or it's not the thing. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I mean,
1: I kept yeah. saying to people like, "This house is just fucked up. There's something wrong with yeah. this house." I'm sorry. I said no, that. you're fine. Um, <laughs> you can say fuck as much as you want. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I kept thinking there's something about the energy of the house. And it, I mean, I do think there was something weird about the energy of the house. But I, it was obviously my marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was
2: the problem. something that we're very proud of in a sort of hair flip way is that a thing or two listeners are very bookish and just really literary in general. Um, that is why we wanted to let you know about Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which is an award-winning podcast hosted by mom of four and writer Zibby Owens. We have been on this podcast. We have listened to a bunch of episodes of this podcast, and it is really good. Zibby releases three to five episodes per week of her warm, personal one-on-one interviews with authors about their books. It's designed to help busy people get their literary fix. It's like listening to a conversation between friends that really sparks your intellectual and emotional curiosity. Zibi also hosts salon events, book fairs, and other live author interviews. Sign up for her mailing list at zibiowens.com. Listen to her podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts and check out her events. You'll feel like you're reading even if you don't think you
0: have time for it. Another essay that you wrote for Medium um, was about a Condé Nast holiday. It was a holiday, the holiday lunch, lunch yeah. yes. Um, and I worked at Condé Nast during the, probably around during that time, and I worked for you for like a very brief, like three month period right before we started of a kind. And I think it just gave that sense of, you know, even within the building, everything felt so glossy and shiny and uh, operating in a specific place. And it's just hard to know about the inner lives of the people there. And I think you shed a lot of light on that too. Oh, thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I felt the same. It took so much away from it and did not work ever, Condé Nast. But in that way of like the people who you feel like are always getting invited to these things and are the darlings of these things, it's not perfect for them either. And there's all of these anxieties and insecurities and stressors wrapped. Up in that too, and in those invitations, and and in all of that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I remember when I first got the job to come and work on prototype pages yeah. for Lucky, and I remember thinking, "Wow, I could really end up an editor in chief at the end of this." And I thought a long time, like, is Anna Winter a happy person? Mm. Are these happy people? Yeah. Is this something I should aspire to? Right. Yeah. And I, I wondered. I mean, I, I went on to have the worst depression of my life, and when I, which is part of what that holiday lunch essay is about too, my depression. And Dan Perez, who was your boss my at boss Details, before, yeah. right, just is just publishing a book about being addicted to opiates while he edited Details. And yes. it, I think it. And I'm glad he wrote it. I mean, it's important. I, I felt good knowing I wasn't the only fuck up in the building. <laughs> Hardly. I, I think yeah. the
0: building was probably full of fuck ups. Well, I think it was full of. I think
1: it was full of like very interesting psychiatric diagnoses. Yeah. Or diagnoses. Yes. I think yes. that you know there are a lot of sociopaths. And uh, you know, and I, I had a wonderful time at Condé Nast. It was the experience of a lifetime to get to found and edit
0: a magazine there. But there were some really intense characters. What do you miss about the days of running a magazine um, besides the collaboration? That yeah.
1: The beauty closet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really miss (laughs) the beauty closet. Fair. Um, I miss the adrenaline rush of putting an, an issue to bed, what it felt like when I would open the box when the issues came into the office, I miss going to shoots, getting to do things like, you know, you know, I, would, I never scheduled haircuts. I would just always go to a shoot and yeah. whoever was doing hair on the set would shut, you know, cut my hair. <laughs> um, things like that. You know, I, I don't not miss the clothing allowance. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Do you still like shopping as much? Yeah, I shop a lot. Yeah. Where do you shop? I got to say, shop online a lot. Yeah. I um, I
0: like... A few boutiques,
1: but I would say that I'm a big online
0: shopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any online shopping strategies? Because we have a lot of yeah. them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to hear yours.
0: Um, I go on the real real every day. Yeah, that's,
2: Claire too. Yeah.
1: I search on my designers who I search on. So yeah. do you
2: have do you save the designer searches? Because that's the way to do it. Oh, what you, do. You mean so? I go into my TRR in your mm-hmm. app. And you can save searches. So I have one search that is just all my favorite designers. So it's just, I look at this one big feed of all my designers that oh, I like. I'm going to do And filter down to my sizes and, you know, what categories I want to see. So it's like an Instagram scroll, but for all of my favorite designers. Oh, I'm doing
0: that. It's yeah. great. It's excellent.
1: I love The Real Real. I sell it's to great. The Real Real. Same. I buy from The Real Real. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, amazing company. Yeah. And started by a woman in her 50s. Yeah, I know. Yes, I yeah. know. It's
0: awesome. It's I, really I, think story. I also really like that it, I don't like this, but I think this is a compelling story that it took a bit to get traction. It wasn't just like this immediate, you know, hit that everybody was shopping and that just got so, so, so much funding. It felt like a slightly slower burn than most of these startups um, that come onto the scene.
1: Yeah. It's a shame to think about entities that didn't get a chance to make it because everybody is so obsessed with immediate
2: results Yes. Uh Uh Exactly. Yes. When you um, do shop in real life, where do you go? Well, I live right near Low Nolita. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot I, of good shopping. You know, there.
1: I go to Warm,
2: which I think lovely. is A, a yeah. lovely yeah.
1: boutique. I used to go to a détaché a fair mm-hmm. amount. Um, I'm a regular at Maria Cornejo. Yep. They they know my name <laughs> <laughs> a little too well. In the lower east side where I live, Chinatown-ish, there's not a
0: lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think if you're into men's streetwear, there's just a lot. Right. When you created Girls of a Certain Age and now with Everything is Fine, how do you think about creating for this demographic that has been so underserved?
1: I just think about what, you know, Tally and I, when we do the podcast, I think we think about what occurs to us. The reason she first got in touch with me, we didn't know each other before the podcast, was because she had read a couple of pieces I'd written on the cut about being older, one about, you know, The whole idea of aging out of wearing certain things. Mm. And then another piece I wrote about aging and vanity. And she saw the blog and she said, you know, I'm 46. All these things that you have written about are beginning to happen to me. And I'm not happy about it and I need an outlet. And so we decided to do it. So it's sort of what's on our minds each time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Why do you think there isn't more content directed at people outside of uh, women outside of the eighteen to thirty four demographic?
1: It's it. I would say it's a mystery to me, but it's not a mystery to me. People just love youth. It's yeah. crazy because women my age are the ones with the household income. Of yes, course, they're the ones controlling all the spending. They're the ones with the most money. It makes no sense. Yes. people certainly in the magazine age tried to launch magazines for them. There was Lear's. Yeah. Various other and more. Uh, Yeah, I remember more. Yeah. All long gone. Um, And, but I think part of the problem is when people do gear stuff, my big peeve is when people do gear stuff toward women in their 40s and older, it's always quote unquote about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when I was doing Lucky, it was really important for me that it was a magazine about shopping, but it wasn't a magazine about shopping. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't have Mm -hmm. article essays about shopping with your mom, and we didn't use language like shop till you drop, and that was all really Mm -hmm, important mm -hmm, to me. On the mm -hmm. blog, that's really important to me, too. It's for women over 40, but I don't—and the clothes I show are for women over 40. You know, I have younger readers, but for the most part, that's—you know, I don't show short skirts. I, I show sleeveless things, but only with lots of things with sleeves. Right. But it, I don't talk about it endlessly. The podcast is different because
0: it really is about yeah. well, but it's it. talking about experiences. Right. Yeah. Um it's through the lens of that. It's not just yeah. It's it not, makes
2: it makes me think of Gossamer um magazine, the cannabis magazine, oh, yeah. which Verena always says it's for people who also smoke weed. It's not about smoking weed. It's for people who also smoke weed. Oh, <laughs> it's that's like interesting. through the lens. I've
1: never heard of it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. It's and I'm like, yes, that makes sense to me. Like this is. It it, it speaks to this lifestyle. Yes, it It speaks speaks to this lifestyle. lifestyle. It speaks to the person who can appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Which, yes, makes sense to me about lucky and girls of a certain age both. Yeah. No, I mean, it felt really
1: important, and I'm glad that that's what I do. I mean, occasionally I'll say, like, my ass is way too big for those pants, but maybe (laughs) they'll work for you. But mostly I try to stay away from things like that. Too
2: much self-deprecation. What's your goal for Everything is Fine? What's your sort of fantasy of what that does? I wanted to reach a lot of women. I really do. The first episode is about feeling invisible. When it, w- would you say that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when you get older and. It's a scary thing to think about but you don't talk about it in a depressing way. Oh, it's a good. depressing concept but it didn't I didn't come away from it feeling depressed. I felt I came away from it feeling like that sucks. I'm glad that this conversation is happening. I'm glad that it's something I can sort of be prepared for cuz the other thing you said in it was that someone had warned you that it happens and you were like it won't happen Not to me. me and then oh, yeah. it happened.
1: Well, the person who warned me that mm-hmm. it would happen actually came on as a guest. The, the episode oh. hasn't aired yet. And I said, you're the person who told me that you become invisible in 40s. And she's like, I said that? I don't believe that at all. Oh, really? That's she's fascinating. like, I don't feel invisible at all. She's my age, 55. And I was like, well,
2: you fuck me up? <laughs> well, Why'd thing, you do that? <laughs> the thing you talked about, which I thought, which really spoke to me, was that you all of a sudden become aware of all the things that that were happening in your day-to-day life that may have been attributable to your youth and beauty. And not to say that your youth and beauty got you everywhere, but you understand the ways in which it might um, color things. Color things. Yeah, exactly. Like slightly change an experience. And I think in part because I listened to it during January, which is when I cut out alcohol every year. Mm -hmm. And this year I also cut out shopping. I've been thinking a lot about what it means to like get rid of something and how much it helps you Understand things better to sort of understand your relationship, relationship yeah. with it. Yeah. 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 And understand the way it colors your day to day experience. And so I was, it, it really like got me going down this path of like, right, what, what are all the forces at work that I'm not aware of, whether yeah. it's alcohol or shopping or youth or my quickly fading youth?
1: Well, I mean, I will say, I think I've listened to that episode um, with my boyfriend, and that episode made my boyfriend very angry because he's like, you're not invisible you're not invisible at all. And it's crazy that you're saying this. And I'm like, this is how I walk down the street feeling.
0: But you also talk about that and how it's important to be, that you're not invisible to certain people in your life. Like that's what's core. And I
1: do feel like as long as there are people for whom you do not feel invisible, you're not invisible. But I do feel like my youth, definitely helped me. You know, like I talked about on the episode, being 34 when I got hired to do Lucky, 25 when I got hired at Sassy. You know, I remember the woman who was one of the heads of HR at Condé Nast saying to me, well, you know, Sign Newhouse never would have hired you if you weren't pretty. And I was like, wow, she just said that out loud to me. Truly. Um, But there weren't a lot of ugly editors
0: in chief. Yep. Yeah, that's fascinating. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, God, I've such a like, big mouth. <laughs> no, I've been thinking recently. So we ran of a kind for 10 years. We started when we were 26 and 27 and now being on the other side of it, you know, 26 and 27, we were so young. Um, and now being on the other side of it, I'm like, I'm not young at 30. Oh, no. I turned 37 this weekend. I'm not young anymore. Yeah. Like no one's hiring me because I'm young at this point,
1: <laughs> um,
0: true. which yeah. is a, just a very different experience that I'm settling into.
1: You are young. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Just the same way that a sixty-seven-year-old would look at me and think I'm young. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just yeah. are. I mean, I I think about where I was at thirty-seven, and that feels, you know, like I was I was young. Yeah. But um, I know that feeling. You know, I know that feeling. I, I when my grandmother died, when my last grandparent died, yeah. I remember feeling like, oh, now I'm a grown-up.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, we have we're at this age where I think parents are getting sick or, or frail or, um, you know, just watching those yeah, experiences and watching friends go yeah, grown up. For yeah, sure. that has, I think, made us both feel over the last even just month yes. um, that, oh, that's the life phase we're entering. Where And that's real. I mean, my yeah. mom is 82 and she's a
1: very lively 82 yeah. and she has a lot of young friends and she's just loved by all. But um, she's 82 and she's slowing down. Yeah. And it's, you know, she's a lot less likely to travel on her own now and things like that. She used to do with no problem. And that is a new life phase, watching parents get older. Yeah.
2: Definitely. My mother always says you can't get upset about aging because it's so much better than the alternative.
1: Well, that is ultimately the truth. Yeah. It really is. And I know enough people who have died young to really feel that. David Rakoff, who was a great... Mm -hmm writer and NPR person um, and friends with a lot of people I was friends with died of cancer a number of years ago now. And he was 47 and I just, and I was all pissed off about turning 48 that year. And yeah. I was like, David Rakoff doesn't get to turn 48
0: ever. Yeah. We just had this very same experience this week. Um, a Jason friend, Polen. Jason Paul. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, he was 37. He was 37. You know, Jeez. the age I'm turning uh, this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I hadn't. Just made heartbreaking. That yeah.
0: Um, he, for. For anyone listening who doesn't know his work, he's just as amazingly—he was this amazingly talented illustrator who felt like very New York in yep. his way and very alive, very alive. Yep. Um, and he wrote a book called Every Person in New York, which had uh, thirty thousand illustrations his, of people his, walking his, around. Yeah, his, I love
1: that his yeah. goal was actually truly, to draw every, every, every single single person. person in New York, yeah. Yeah,
2: truly. And then when he was done, every they were gonna have, they'd have it get we'd all have a get together all the people <laughs> no. <that> he drew. <laughs>
1: No, he touched a lot of people. Yeah, He's he really all over did. my social media it's, this yeah, week. Yeah, it's incredible yeah.
0: how many people he touched. So now that you are working mostly independently aside from working um with ta- on the podcast, how do you structure your time? How do you think about that? What are your routines? I structure my time very
1: poorly. <laughs> better than I sorry, better than I used to. <laughs> I um I get up in the morning, I drink my coffee, I walk the dogs, I shower, do all my stuff, you know, and then I sit down. Yeah. You know, I'll, usually I talk to Andrea before I get work done. I like um, that. I would say. But today I was like, I have to take a shower. <laughs> I have to get up for the phone. She's like, no, 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 I just started eating. That's the best time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get oh, you off the too. You too. <laughs> I know. But I, you know, I, I, warnings are definitely the best time, yeah, yeah, by far most creative time for me, and so I really try to strike while the iron's hot. When I was at Lucky, I never had meetings after four, and I find that after four or five, like yesterday, I had a really good writing day. But by four, it was like, okay, that's yeah. pretty much it for the day. Like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not doing any more writing. I wrote pretty solidly for a few hours, and that's got to be good enough.
2: I will say that that's something that made me feel old is realizing that, like. I'm a morning person. I was like, when did that happen? That I'm someone who has to like be productive in the morning, or when I met you, you were not exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like now that I'm like, well, I've got to get up and do this, or it'll never get done, and I have to do this in the morning. It's like that made me feel really old. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Up, I get that. (laughs) Truly.
1: I get yeah. that. I, I know, but I, I, I'm not as much of a morning person as I used to be because I'm going through a rather protracted perimenopause and one of the worst symptoms is um, insomnia. Mm, yeah. Terrible insomnia. So I'm up a
2: lot of nights. I mean, I will say when you were talking about creating content and businesses for, for older women or you know women 40 and over, it's amazing to me that there hasn't been more success in business and just more businesses cropping up around this life stage because menopause is such a rich uh, experience to mine for storytelling, for selling women products that they may or may not actually need. Like there's just so much opportunity. Uh, The way people make money around Childbirth, you know, or weddings, child childbirth, yeah, yeah. all these other life stages that you we suck dry for all of the possible uh, exploitations. Yeah, there's so much shame around aging for yeah. women, mm-hmm.
1: and there's so much shame around menopause. I know we had um Darcy Stanky on as a mm-hmm. guest. I want to read her book so she wrote badly. A really interesting book on menopause and, and we whales were, and wh- well, a lot of it's about whales too because yes. female whales um when they are the only animals to go through menopause and when they do they become the leaders of their pod it's called flashpoint diaries it's called Flash? flashpoint Di- flashpoint diary um menopause and the vindication of
2: natural life yeah so fascinating. I recently rewatched Party Girl for Flash the long count diary. Flash I'm count. Sorry. Yeah, no, that was me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Party Girl. Yeah. I recently rewatched Party Girl for the first time in a really long time, and um, one of the supporting but like central characters is going through menopause, and I was like, wow, this movie was ahead of its time in many, so many ways. But that's one of them. I like. When do you see menopause happening on in
0: film? Being represented? No, you never do. Yeah, they
2: had a cute bit about it on Broad City. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. and on Fleabag sense. too, right? Oh, Fleabag. Yeah. Yeah a brilliant yeah. moment yeah yeah. Yeah. Real, yeah with
1: Kristen. that is also good oh yeah. that's yeah. such a good with scene Scott yeah. Thomas. yes yes it's really yes. good scene. and very true yeah i must say having you know being a person dealing with that just yeah. very very true right nobody flirts with intention anymore yeah <laughs> very good but what i was saying was darcy wrote this book and she talked about how and, and we said why is there all this mystery about menopause and they said because mothers don't she said mothers don't discuss it with their daughters. She said, I remember my mother sitting in the basement of our house when I was growing up in like a sleeveless dress because the basement was the coolest part of the house, just sweating. But she never said a word to me. You know, my mom had a hysterectomy, so she never went through menopause. But um, mothers don't talk to their daughters about it. Hmm, which rem- adds to the shame.
2: Yeah. I remember my mother going through it so distinctly because it coincided with me graduating high school. And so and I was the youngest child, so it was like she exacerbated all of the fears around becoming an empty nester and everything like that. And it was the same for a couple of other my friends at the time. We were all like, our moms are going crazy. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> like, yeah. our moms yeah. are going crazy just because we're leaving for college. And, <laughs> and then there was a moment, I think, where we figured out that there was, uh-huh. like, more to it than that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, that's funny, I don't know. I mean, some people have tried to make money off of it, but yeah. there's a a beauty line that launched for Menopausal Woman, and they called it Pause, oh, which is just like, the, way, yeah. Don't know, know, know. yeah,, and not the way to do it. It's you know, I think everybody needs to take a lesson. From me. Mm -hmm. And the whole, like, don't make it about menopause. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, But it can be for menopausal women. That's fantastic. But don't make the, you know, because that message is a bummer. What are you using and loving right now? Well, I love Drunk Elephant products. I'm a big fan of those. I use some of their products. Um, I recently splurged on the SK2
0: sheet masks. Oh, yeah. I haven't, I've gotten them for friends, but I've never used them myself.
1: I think they're fantastic. I save them for special occasions, but I think they're pretty magic. Yeah. I
2: don't like sheet masks. They like, they feel drippy. Yeah, they feel drippy and gross and like they're never sit right and yeah, that they're like sliding down exactly. your face the whole time. Exactly. Well, they,
1: they, these don't slide down your face or they don't slide down my face, but they take a long time for all the stuff to absorb. Yes.
2: <laughs> and then they say, oh, just rub in whatever's left. And I'm like, there's so much goop on <laughs> yes, my face about no, no, rubbing true. it in. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> yeah. um, but I love that. I just
1: tried the Tatcha primer.
0: Mm, Do
1: I, really you like I just it? read about this recently. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. I like that a lot. Um, I have so much more makeup than I used to. Mm. Just a lot of makeup. Yeah. Because you like it
0: more now than you used to?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was at Lucky, I would just run out the door with mascara on. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. You know, now I'm just like the mascara, the eyeliner, the BB cream, <laughs> the, the bronzer, like everything.
2: Yeah. It's fun. It's it fun
1: is time. fun. It's, uh, there's nothing better than getting like a box from Sephora. You totally. also
2: always have on good red lipstick. Oh, thank you. What are your favorite red lipsticks? This one is a Kosas one. Oh, we love
1: Kosas; is so good. Um, I think it's called Royal. Okay, I think that's the name of the color. I like. I like Lipstick Queen. Okay, yeah, I like. I've never used theirs. Have you? No, I like some, and I like some Nars colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that
2: Nars pencil. Me too. Except my lips are too dry for it all the time. I need something a little more moisturizing.
1: Yeah, what's the name of the? I just got this great. it's a it's a like mask you're supposed to put on at night, but I put it on my mm. lips all the time. I just read about one of
2: these, probably the one you're thinking of, but I can't remember the name. Yeah, we're both like strategist <laughs>
0: shoppers, <laughs> I guess. That's right. <laughs> Shout out to the strategist. <laughs> Jane Larkworthy definitely <laughs> yeah, recommended it. That's, that's right. where it came from. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. What, are you, what content are you consuming these days? Books, movies, film, all that goodness. Good question, Erica.
1: Um, I... Watched the Netflix um, documentary on cheerleaders. Cheer, so I haven't seen it yet, and I have to do that this weekend. I thought that was fantastic. I loved Fleabag. Um, I liked Killing Eve a little bit less, but I still liked it. Um, What else have I watched super recently? The Crown. I Mm -hmm. thought The Crown was not the best season of The Crown. Yeah. But I liked it. Um, As far as reading... Right now I'm reading Why We Can't Sleep by Ada Calhoun because oh. she's gonna come on the show. Nice. And um that's kind of troubling, but good. Mm-hmm. And um I, I go on New York magazine's website, the New Yorkers website, you know, nothing too and go fog yourself. Yes. Yes, They're I'm a big classic. Ball. They're really brilliant and also and work wives. Work wives and lovely people. Yes. Yes, truly
0: lovely people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and so not what you would think they were gonna be. Right. When yeah when you Agreed. meet them.
0: <laughs> they <laughs> they um, lean into the bitchy online, but that is not what, who they are that's in real life. Them, yeah. And they've
1: got a code. Like they would not write about when Britney Spears was going off the rails, they would not write about Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, they're really um no, they um made fun of lucky covers, but the first time they made fun of a lucky cover, I wrote to them and said, I'm such a fan that I'm really only psyched. <laughs> <laughs> She made fun
2: of our cover. <laughs> That's good. I didn't know that. That's yeah. really funny.
1: And then they came up to the office, and then we became friendly. And they're really great girls. They, they, they really are. are. That's awesome. they, oh, I love really that. They've really sustained it for a long time. It's too. incredible.
2: And they have books. Are yeah. you into to royal to like royal stuff beyond just watching The Crown? I'm not. Not. Yeah. I got to say.
1: I have to say. I, I watched when I watched The Crown, and then I also watched Victoria. Mm. Which was on Mm -hmm. I think PBS PBS or BBC maybe yeah, Yeah. um and that was fantastic and that got me kind of into Royals and I read a a great book about Princess Margaret called Ninety Nine Ways of Looking at Princess Margaret I think that's (laughs) That's what it's called excellent
2: title and
1: it's a really fun book it's ninety nine short short chapters all with anecdotes about her which one's Margaret which one's Margaret they're all Margaret okay (laughs) (laughs) they're all Margaret. (laughs) Okay. Like um, but they're but they're all stories about her and her life and okay. how imperious and, you know, kind of crazy she was and, you know, her time down in mystique and her young lover and the whole story. And you really like, you know, you feel kind of bad for her, but yeah. you know, she really wanted to be queen very yeah. much more than Queen Elizabeth wanted to be queen. Fascinating. And would have been a far funner queen.
0: Mm. <laughs> Probably a, fun a worse queen. queen
1: you know, for England, but a
0: funner coin. Kim, we loved having you. This was amazing. Wonderful. This was so fun. I know. Um, listen to Kim's podcast, Everything is Fine. Check out her blog, Girls of a Certain Age, and anticipate her book as hotly as we are. And we'll link to all of these essays we talked yes, about. Yes, 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 posted. yes, yes. Yeah. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at com.